Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to talk to you tonight about the God of all grace. Now in my mind, this follows on from where Brother Rick was sharing with you and others have shared with you. In your mind, you might think it's something different. Well, that's okay. You can take it. The, the Word of God is a living Word. And even though in my mind, in preparation and, and waiting upon the Lord, I felt like it follows on, for you, there may be some other key or some other truth that you take hold of tonight that will bless you, that will encourage you, that will show something new to you. It may not even be what I've actually thought of to present to you, but just the Word of God is a living and quickened and alive Word. It can touch your life. It can make you whole. It can change you. And so whether you're a person who doesn't know the Lord as their Saviour, whether you're a person who only has very recently met the Lord, or whether you've been on your walk for some time, somewhere tonight there will be something for you. So I want to read a verse of scripture to you, two verses in fact, from 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, after you've suffered for a little while, I've got to come back and tell you what the suffering is. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his, etern- to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now the word grace comes from the Greek word charis. It means a favourable regard. It means something pleasant. It it can speak of a gift. It can speak of a, a pleasantness bestowed or shown toward you. It's something which can delight your heart, delight your your, your feelings, your sense of well-being. And it also speaks of divine favour or a grace that God would give to you to show others or a kindly act toward us. Well, I want to tell you when Jesus died on that cross, that was the kindest thing that he could ever do. That was the kindest That's the kindest thing that anyone in all of history has ever done for the human race. When Jesus gave his life for us. And here's the kicker. He gave it to us freely. Because he just asks of us that we bring our hearts to him. He didn't demand money. He hasn't demanded good works. He hasn't demanded some other form of payment or sacrifice, but that we bring our hearts to him. Because he cannot work his miracles, he cannot work his grace in and through us without the availableness, if that's the right word, without access to our hearts. This beautiful scripture says, now he is the God of all grace. It's grace for life. There's grace in in a gift. 
There's grace for blessing. There's grace for health. There's grace for hope. There's grace for the future. There's grace in talents. There's grace in prosperity, as we just heard a few moments ago. There's grace in restoration. There's grace in healing. There's grace in the wisdom for life. They're all great. God is the God of all grace. He's not just gracious in, well, they needed saving. Let, let's get them saved and let's, let's see what they do with that. He's the God of all grace. Whatever aspect, whatever terminology, whatever definition you wish to apply to how grace is being outworked, God is the God of all grace. So He's in it all. He's through it all. It is the sum. Grace is the sum of earthly and heavenly blessings being bestowed upon us or being given to us by God Himself. If you're a new Christian and everything you're getting in your new life, everything you've got to this point, God's given it to you. If you're here tonight without Christ, the fact that you're living and breathing tonight is a gift of God. He breathed life into you. Your mum and dad had a part to play. Yes, they did. But I want to tell you in a little while from one scripture we'll look at, unless he, God, breathed, you wouldn't be here. So it's a grace. It's a gift God has given to us. If you've been on the way for a while, my Christian friends, then the grace of God is toward you, but it's not leaving you alone. I love that song that we sing here, that he is relentless, relentless. Seen the waves crashing on the northeastern shoreline of Australia recently. They were relentless. They just kept marching against concrete walls, brick, brick walls, stone walls. They just kept marching at sand with no effort. They came over the top of the wall. God's grace is relentless. And it will pick you up and it will carry you through. It will lift you up and it will give you strength. God's grace is relentless. The things in my life, and your life too, that may have caused difficulties for me or hurt for me, they have been caused sometimes by me. I've embarrassed myself numerous times. I've done dumb things. Remember one time trying to climb a tree, threw a rope up into a tree, put the put the slip knot around my foot, and I thought what I'll do is I'll pull myself up and it'll pull me up into the tree. You know what happened? I, I got up there when the ropes, you know, the, you know when the rope, maybe you don't know, but when you get out there and you've got one rope, hot, sort of, it, it jiggles, and if you don't hold yourself extremely stiff and, and, and firm, next thing you know, as I was, I'd slid. And the, and the heaviest part of me was at the lowest part of the loop, and my foot was way up in the air, tied by a rope around a limb up there, and I'm hanging upside down, hanging onto this rope for dear life. Couldn't work out how to get down. It was easy. Let go of the rope, you dimwit. I'm just glad no one was around to see that. You're the first ones that have ever heard that story about something that I did. There you go. There you go. I've let you into a little air. See, some things in my life have happened because I've caused them. Some things in my life have happened because there is a root principle of sin, disobedience to the order of God that's in the world today because of sin that Adam and Eve caused. And it affects us all. 
You see, I believe the root principle of sin is, is what is, is, the, is the motivator of things like cancer. Motivator of hurt, uh, the, it motivates hurts and harms within, within marriage, within, within difficulties, within relationships. I, I believe the root principle of sin drives a lot of those things. Well, it can affect us. Sometimes the things that have affected my life have been caused by the outworking of a sinful nature in someone else. Someone's taken a, I don't like him anymore, I, I, I really don't like him. And so they, 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 they set me up, they, they lay in wait for me. They bring me down, they hurt me. It's not the person, it's the sinful nature in them that's endeavouring to bring me down, that's endeavouring to hurt me. And uh, possibly, to be totally honest, I may have done at times likewise to some of them. I'm sure some of you could agree that not every action you've ever done is the best action or the one most, with the most good intentions for other people. Sometimes things that have attacked me and hurt me in my life are when, I come in, when I've come into direct contact with the enemy of my soul. When Satan has lifted his head and face against me and tried to stop me. He's tried to disappoint me. He's tried to undermine me. He's tried to discourage me. He's tried to pull me down. He's tried to turn me aside. He's tried to lead me away from where I would be going in and for God. Actually, if you read the verse before, verse 9, I actually believe it's that kind of suffering when we're wrestling against the enemy that is called suffering that we read about there in verse 10. It's not physical suffering. It's not suffering in some other manner, but it's suffering because we are warring with this one called the enemy, the devil, Satan, whoever you like to hang the name on him for. And finally, what causes difficulties for us from time to time is time and chance. We live in a world now where time and chance takes its effects. You can be driving down the road in your car, obeying all the laws, doing something that's right, but you can end up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the insurance companies have got the gall to call it an act of God. It's time and chance because of sin. It's time and chance that affects us. Let me give you a little example. As a six-year-old boy, we lived at Mark's Point, just out of Newcastle, New South Wales. And the local shopkeeper, when we went round there to buy our little goodies, the local shopkeeper would call me, six years of age, she called me Paul the Ball. All right? I just say that because I want you to know that I have roughly been this shape all my life. Now, I can, I can tell you this, I'm this shape partly because during my juvenile years and teenage years and adult years, I really like, excuse me, I really like peanut butter. I enjoy peanut butter. I'll take peanut butter any way I can get it. It's good, peanut butter. I've even learnt this that if you don't spread butter on your bread first, you can actually put more peanut butter on because the bread holds it back, so you've got to put more on to spread it. All right? If any of you want to look like me, my recommendation is to go home, buy a jar of peanut butter and get stuck into it. (laughs) 
But that's a worry, isn't it? Because I kind of look like a big zero, don't I? And when you get someone... Now, look, if I had Benno here beside me, he would be like a yard of pump water. Well, probably two yards of pump water, straight up and down. (laughs) He would look like a number one. He would look like a number one, and I look like a zero. I got to think about this, but I'm not a zero. You see, in computer language and mathematical language, there really only are two numerals, the number one and the zero. If you put two number ones together, what do you get? Two. But if number one is there and a zero stands beside, what have you got? Hello. It's not hard mathematics, you get 10. If you put another zero beside the one and the zero already there, you get 100. Yeah. And we're not going into the negatives, we're not going into the parts, we're not going 0.01 or 0.001, because one and zero are both whole numbers. You see, God is more concerned about you and I being whole. Being whole. And it doesn't matter whether you think of yourself as a number one, two meters of pump water, or whether you think of yourselves as a bit of a zero, too much peanut butter, God still looks at you as a whole numeral, a whole number. You see, he deals with us not according to what we are. He doesn't deal with us because we wear pink fluoro shirts and drive a green car. He doesn't deal with us according to those things. If you came today in a big white chev that folded down its hood, I thought, a puff of wind now, and that hood is gone but a puff of wind didn't come. If you come in a colour, he doesn't say, I'm going to deal especially with Steve because he's in a Chev or a Ford Galaxy or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm not going to deal with him. He is dealing with us as though, and because in his eyes, we are already made whole, complete. We are already for heaven. We are already. We are already as he was. That's how he deals with us. But he's a, real, he's a realist enough to know that we have some hiccups along the way. So his grace ministers to us. His grace undertakes in our lives. His grace surrounds us. His grace attributes to us the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the strengths, the hopes, the futures that we need. God is good. God is good. Here's the bottom line. God wants to make you all that he can, but without violating your will. Without violating your will. There's a second scripture I want to turn you to for a moment or two from John chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came down from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So let me just pull this apart and add to God, all of grace, reaching out to us. It says, he gives the right to us. That is the opportunity, then the capacity, and then the ability, and we are allowed to arise to this new level that he has given to us. You see, God wants your participation. All he needs is your willingness. All he needs is your, all he needs is your participation. God, I open my heart to you. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. And by his grace, he sweeps into our lives and he touches us and he begins to build. He has given us the right. No one else can give it to you. No one can take it away. You can live without it or try to, but God will come chase you because he has given you the right to become a child of God. We are born of God, the verse 13 went on to say. Born to experience the grace and blessing from God. Not some second-rate or half-baked man's idea. Born to receive from God himself. He is the one who knows the... He is the one, because he knows the end before the beginning, he's the one that plans things and puts things in place. He's the one that's planned your life. He's the one that's overseeing your life. He's the one that's looking into your life. He knows what your finish will be, and so he has gone backwards and structured backwards the things in your life. And set you up. That's grace. You can't work that. We have enough trouble just looking forwards. That's why we've got a big windscreen in the car and a little mirror. Can't spend your time looking backwards. You've got to look forwards. But God, who sees everything... Because he knows the end from the beginning, is able to speak into our lives. The second thing from this passage of scripture, Jesus is our example. Let me say this. Jesus had three years in ministry. Three years. His first year of ministry was a time of introduction, inauguration. People were just finding out, wow, you heard? There's, there's a new prophet around. Wow, wow, wow. They wanted to hear him. They wanted to... And, the word that was spreading about Jesus. The second year of his ministry, he had great acceptance. He was very popular. People wanted to be where he was. People flocked to where he was. And you read in the scriptures where he came to a village and he healed all who were sick and all who were diseased and all who had difficulties. He spoke to them all. There was a year of popularity, great acceptance. But all the time these periods were going on, there was another crowd getting slowly more concerned and more upset and becoming more agitated by what Jesus was doing and who he was. And so his third year of ministry became what the theologians have called the year of adversity, the year of rejection, the year of opposition, the year when they reacted to him. You begin to read your Bible in the Gospels and you will see that these guys heard Jesus do so, uh, say something or saw him do something. I said they went out to see how they might take him, how they might kill him, how they might capture him. Now, I want to say this to you. This is a pattern for our lives. When we first come to Christ and we're introduced to God our Father, God answers prayers almost like that. 
you often hear when, testament, when new Christians give testimonies, they say, oh, I just prayed. Oh, God did this for me. God did that for me. Oh, it was wonderful. God healed me of this and healed me of that. I got saved. And right in the line when I was getting saved, something, oh, wow, that's fantastic. And some of us who have been around for a while say, oh, I wish I could get that healed bit. And, you know, I'd really like something else to happen in that sort of part of my life. And then, of course, then there becomes, a, and in the middle part, there's a, there's a growing part of our life as we, are, we just, oh, wow, this is just wonderful. And this might likely be from the end of the first 12 months of knowing Christ through, for the next two or three or four years, that there's a, there's a great openness and excitement about God. And, and we just, we just, everything's new. We're just taking it all in, just sucking it all in. It's great. We just love all that we're hearing and seeing and feeling. And then finally... When you get a bit older, this year of adversity kicks in. And it's not that God's being tough on us. It's not that God's being hard on us. But he spent these first two periods of time showing us how good he is. He spent these first two periods of time showing us that we, he, can, we can be, he can be trusted. Showing us that he can answer. Showing that he can give gifts. And, and, and our reaction is, because it's not just happening right how I want it, I am getting upset. Instead of realizing is God is actually looking for us to grow up and be stronger and become more steadfast and become firmer in our belief. You see, our faith should have grown from where it was when we first come to Christ. Our faith should have grown immensely. And God treats us that way because we are his sons and we are his daughters. And in doing that to us, he works in these areas. Quickly now as time's running down and I know it's very warm. God our Father is working with us. He will work with us, making us trustworthy. Trustworthy. Worthy of trust. You see, God wants to touch our lives and touch our disposition, touch our nature, touch our attitudes, so that lies don't get out of our mouths. I'm just using that one as an illustration. He wants to make us trustworthy. I'm using lies as an illustration. He doesn't, he wants to touch our mouths and stop us from lying. Stop us telling, telling untruths. Stop us telling uh, just part truths. Just so much, but not the whole truth. You know, you can get a long way if you just tell a part truth here and there. You can build quite a case, but eventually you'll get sprung. God wants to build us as trustworthy people, where your word can be respected. He's never going to give you authority over demon power and those sorts of things and for you to exercise it in some sort of manifest way if he hasn't first found you trustworthy so that your word can be respected. The second area he's going to work in our lives is he's going to look for us to be teachable. Not boastful or a proud spirit, but humble in heart, sound in judgment and mind. He's also going to look for us to be transparent. Not that we're hiding anything or that we have anything to hide. Because how do you hide something from God who can see everything? You can't do that. But you see, we think we can. We think if we turn the lights out and it becomes dark, God can't see. I've got news for you. He can Transparent, no false fronts, no mindsets. We're nothing to hide. Our closets are empty. Sometimes we can have difficulties because 
back there in our house, in that back closet, we're hanging on to some hurt, some situation, some difficulty that we should have let go of a long time ago. And God calls us on that. He wants us to get free from that. He wants us to be, these are, this is the fourth T, trustworthy, teachable, transparent, and temperate. No flashy or fleshy outbursts, no immoral motives or grudges. He's not impressed with those sorts of things. They just, they show something up. If anyone should take notice of things that we say or do, it should be ourselves. Like, wow, did that come out of me? Man, I need to look at that. Oh, has that been my thoughts? Has that been my words? Has that been my desire? Young men, anyone, anyone these days, because young ladies look at young men. When you're, when you're coming towards, sorry about that. When you're coming towards someone on the street, you know, a, 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 a person who's, who's very attractive from the opposite sex can step out of a doorway and they've suddenly come into your field of vision because the movement's caught you. You look, you've seen the person coming, so you think, wow, that's, she's nice. And then I look away and continue your pathway. If you look back, then something's attracted you. You need to know what it is that's attracted you. You need to know what it is that's drawn your attention to that person. You need to know what it is that's just caught you in that field of influence. And finally, there's our talents. Our gifts and our talents are grace from God. And we need to use our gifts for his kingdom's sake and for his blessing. Let me draw this to a close. God our Father loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He's paid too much of a price to leave us where we are. God wants to make you all that you and I can be without violating your will. He will not violate your will. At the center and core of your being, you either will or you won't. And the God of all grace is stretching out his hands to you tonight. He's saying, look, I've prepared a way for you. Look, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm training you now. I'm teaching you now. Look, I want to take you through these seasons, these times that are difficult. I want, to, I want to point you in the right direction. I want to bring you home. I want to bring you home in victory. I want to bring you home in life. I want to bring you home right at the front, a forefront of everything around about you. But I need your will not your won'ts. I need your will, not your won'ts. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 